0: Titus. Yes. Titus reading um, sets out what kind of bishop uh, the church should have and, by extension, what kind of minister the church should have, you know, one who shows hospitality, one who is, who is not given to drunkenness. Um, and then it, it has in there, uh, the, the, the pastor should be sound in doctrine and teach correct doctrine and know what is incorrect doctrine and be able to refute incorrect doctrine so that people can be firm in the faith and the pastor in, in um, preaching sound doctrine should also rebuke those um, who think differently and have departed from the the way. The, uh, the text goes on then to really get into name calling against those uh, who have uh, unsound doctrine. You know, we know those, those Cretans, they're, they're gluttonous and they're liars, and, and you don't want to associate with them and, and get them out. The, the, it raises the issue of heresy. You know, heresy is sometimes called incorrect thought, incorrect doctrine. It really means choice, it means choosing something other than the right belief. I have been um, rebuked, I have been accused of false doctrine, I have been accused of being a heretic. Um, It happened here. at Morning Blend several, maybe 10 years ago uh, in the summer. At the end of my sermon on grace, this person stood up. Uh, We knew he probably didn't come to King Avenue because he was wearing a tie. And um, yeah. So we were kind of ready for this person. And um, at the end of my sermon, he, he stood up and very politely said, uh, Pastor, I'd, I'd like to ask you a question. And I said, okay. And he said, how can you preach that to those people? And I knew who those people were. And, he, and I said, can you explain that? And he said, you're not preaching the Bible and the truth to those people and I said well this isn't the time for that conversation can we talk after church and he said yes and so he sat down and after church we went up to the centennial room where he made an effort to set me straight as it were and, and I got a bigger laugh at night morning blend and, and um, he started to lecture me about what sound doctrine was and how I was wrong and I was wrong and misleading those people. And um, did I understand that I was being rebuked? And I said, Yes, I understand that you are rebuking me. And he said, Are you sure you understand that I am rebuking you? And I said, Yes. I do understand that. And I think you're done now. And I think our conversation is over. And he said, Thank you. I just want you to understand this. And I said, I do. After he and his friends left, I started thinking about we both call ourselves Christian. And I thought, Is there. Actually, are there things in Christianity on which we can agree? Is there a common ground? Do we even want to have a common ground? And does it matter? Could this man and I ever be on the same page? When we're talking about common ground and what we can agree on, on what we believe, we're talking about creeds. Uh, You know, creeds, creeds say, I believe, we believe. Creeds kind of establish the baseline for a group. Now, there are all kinds of creeds. There's the Girl Scout creed, the Boy Scout creed, the Campfire Kids creed. There's a non-commissioned officer's creed. There's a police officer's, there's a firefighter's creed. One could argue that the Hippocratic Oath is something of a creed. There are all kinds of creeds that pull us together. And that's the purpose of a creed, is to pull us together. Now, Now, creeds evolve. I mean, we followed the last several years how the Boy Scout creed has been debated, and is evolving. So creeds change, and, and this baseline that pulls us together is, is, uh, can be flexible. In our hymnal, I think there are about 10 creeds that can be used. You know, so there isn't just one creed, but what a creed does is it, it endeavors to pull people together and in a sense says, if you agree to this, you're in. And if you don't agree, you know, you're not. But the the purpose is is to pull us together to find a common ground and that's a good thing. One of the earliest creeds, um, you know, Christians aren't the only ones to have creeds. Deuteronomy 5 is, is a creed. Hear, O Israel, The Lord, our God, is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the creed, the Shema, that pulls Jews together. Now... We're going to say the Apostles' Creed, which was written in 325 to, to you know, to kind of bring the church together when it became the official religion of the, of the Roman Empire, and, um, y- you know, I, I can say the Apostles' Creed. I know some people can't because they disagree with parts of it, so they go looking for another creed, another common ground, another baseline. But I find that almost every line of it. I have to say, well, I, I agree to it, but let me explain what I mean if I'm in, and how I understand it. Because I think the words can go in many directions. I mean, just, I believe in God the Father Almighty. What do we mean by Father? What do we mean by Almighty? What do we mean by virgin birth? What do we mean by resurrection of the body? What do we mean by a lot of this language? I remember when I... Uh, first learned the, uh, the Apostles' Creed when I was in 5th or 6th grade. Uh, my my uh, uh, Sunday school teachers wanted to make it very clear to us that the line that said, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, didn't mean the Roman Catholic Church. You know, I, even then, I found something of an irony in this creed that was supposed to pull all Christians together, where we had to say, "But not the Catholics." You know, um, just parenthetically, even in our hymnal, where it says "Holy Catholic Church," uh, when we when we say it today, you'll see an asterisk, and, and at the bottom of the page, it'll say "Universal." A person at Morning Blend told me he was taught not to say Catholic Church he was taught to say Christian Church. I've learned and I read this in Christian Century so it has to be true that that the what the intent of the word Catholic in the Creed means is permeable boundary that's ever expanding kind of like the Milky Way in a way that as the boundary of the church Um, it expands but it's permeable so people that are outside the circle originally as the circle expands become inside the circle so it's really I believe in the expanding church that includes more and more people. Um, In creeds it's best not to be wordy because the more words we use in a creed the more people we exclude yeah. And it's interesting what the creed doesn't have in it. It doesn't have anything about how we read the Bible. It doesn't have anything about biblical literalism. It doesn't have anything about how you're supposed to baptize or what age you're supposed to baptize. It's flexible on that, apparently. It doesn't have how you're, you do communion or how often you do communion. It seems to be flexible. It doesn't have whether you should have bishops or not. It's, it's flexible on church government. Um, so the creed is intended to, again, be inclusive and flexible. An example of how creeds can include is um, I want to talk about the movie The Gospel of Eureka. It's a documentary that was shown at the Wexner um, Friday and Saturday and it, it was only shown those two nights. But it's about the town of Eureka Springs, Arkansas in the Ozarks. Eureka Springs is a pretty town of about 2100, they put on what is called the Great Passion Play in an amphitheater that holds 40,000 people. So people come from, you know, a long distance to see the Great Passion Play, and it's about Palm Sunday through the Ascension. And a lot of people in the the town are, are the actors for it. And the the Christians in the town tend to be fundamentalists. The town is known for this, and it's also known for its 60-foot-high Christ of the Ozarks statue. The town is also known for its drag karaoke bar. And the two, the documentary features the persons who go and support the drag karaoke bar and the persons who support the passion play and the people on the town. And what is remarkable about this juxtaposition is that they all get along. They're all very nice to each other. There is no argument. There are really no walls separating them. And the documentary is skillfully done as you watch people putting on their makeup. You're not sure if you're watching Mary Magdalene get ready for her role or a drag queen get ready for his role. It's, you're just not sure, and they cut back and forth from the audiences, and you're just not sure which is which. And the town talks about how they get along, and people will say, people in the church, and the minister, one of the ministers will say, I don't agree with the lifestyle, but it's their right to be who they are, and I'm not going to stand in the way of that. And the creed of the town is... You're a human being. You're an individual. And you will be seen as a human being in your expression of who you are. The town is known for its healing springs. And there really is healing going on as the people live this creed. Another thing to be said about creeds is that there are maps. Now, we are going, Susan and I are gonna be going to St. Louis for the general conference also. We're gonna be watching every step Bill Brownson makes to make sure he votes the right way. (laughs) And we will get to St. Louis by following a map. The creed is like a map. It will help you get where you want to go, but it is not the same as being there. The map to St. Louis is not the same as being in St. Louis. The map to the beach is important. It gets us there, but it is not the same as being on the beach. And sometimes we act as if the creed is the same as being in a relationship with God. They're not the same. In Titus, Titus talks about the faith and sound doctrine. Well, the faith and sound doctrine are really kind of head things. They're not so much heart things. You know, Jesus talks about faith, not the faith. And there's a difference between the faith and faith. For Jesus, you know, he doesn't ask Peter in that passage in John, he doesn't ask Peter about what's going on in your head. He's asking about what's going on in your heart. Do you love me? Do you love me? That's heart stuff. That's experiential stuff. Will you feed my sheep? Will you care for my sheep? It isn't head stuff, what I believe. It's what I do with my hands and feet. Will you follow me? That's faith, and there's a difference between what goes on in our head and what goes in our heart. I think this is what people are talking about when they say, I'm spiritual but not religious. It's in my heart, it's in my hands, it's in my feet. But I would argue that the creeds help us get there just like a map gets us there faster and we don't have to spend all this time trying to figure out which way we're going. When John Wesley um, talks about what's important and creeds in establishing a baseline are trying to say this is what's important. John Wesley says, in essentials, unity. In non essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. The conference that Bill is going to. And the big debate in the United Methodist Church for, it seems like, decades has really been over what's essential. What's essential? What is it that makes a United Methodist a United Methodist? What is it that is essential to Christianity? What's our baseline? In essentials, unity. Unity. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Those are the essentials. Those are the essentials. That's our baseline. Now, whether one is gay or straight or trans, whether one is female or male, whether one is black or white, young or old, American or Mexican, is that essential? If I am to love Jesus and follow Jesus, does it matter if I'm male or female? Does it matter if I'm trans or straight? One can follow Jesus and love Jesus regardless. I would argue that as important as those are, they're not essential. I would argue that what Bill's going to St. Louis for in that 250-page book he's read Is non-essential. It is not our baseline. And I hope we come away with saying, it doesn't matter what one is, as long as one follows and loves. We don't say creeds here, but we actually have some creeds that when you think about it, you'll say, oh yeah, yeah, we have that creed. One of the creeds that we worked on two years ago was our vision statement. And we spent time on every word to make sure we were using the right word that would be fully inclusive and fully expressive of our faith. We are a community of servants We spent a lot of time, was it servants or people or disciples? We are a community of servants called by God's reconciling grace. We believe in God's grace that brings people together. Called by God's reconciling grace to open doors of sanctuary. To create new avenues of ministry. Our boundaries are to be expanding. To equip Christians for discipleship, not only head, but heart. And to lead in reconciling ministries. Now you might say, gosh, I don't remember that. Here's another creed that we say every Sunday. Open hearts, open minds, open doors. We welcome all who love the Lord. Bring your joys, bring your burdens, all you rich and poor. That's our creed. That's our common ground. That's our baseline here. And if you can say it, we're together. If you wanna know what King Avenue is about, it's that song. So creeds, I think creeds are important because they do pull us together, and they give us a map. And I know that creeds can be controversial, and I think the best way to approach them is to um, play with them, play with them. Think about what is your bottom line? What is the bottom line for you and your friends? What will we agree on? What will pull us together? What will expand our boundaries and increase our love? May we play with our words of faith so they bring us to an experience of God's love in our life. May it be so. Amen.